0: a disheveled and somewhat rough uh, family one day uh, went on a drive on a Sunday morning. They were going out for the day to the seaside. And uh, they are okay. They were a bit of, used to cause a bit of trouble in their neighborhood, particularly the boys. <clears throat> they didn't get very far when the car broke down. Um, and uh, basically the mother ended up, there was a baby as well. She ended up sitting on a suitcase on the side of the road trying to calm a baby that was rather smelly in rather enclosed that should have been changed earlier, while the father was trying to corral his boys who were running around all over, playing chicken in the road with the cars, basically. Basically, the car had had enough. It had given up the ghost. It was no longer good for anything. They were stuck. Fortunately, they were on a road where there were other cars passing by. And the first car that passed by that saw them In that car, there was a bishop. He saw them out of the corner of his eye, but he was in a rush. He really had to get to church that morning. There was much to do, and so he just kind of didn't really look at them. The second car that came past, in that car there was an elder of the local evangelical church. She also was in a rush for a Churches Together meeting that morning, and she saw them, they looked quite rough and a bit not the sort of person that she was used to so she looked straight ahead of her pretended not to see them and drove straight past as well. The third car that came past, there was a guy who was well known as an outspoken local atheist. He was often on the radio, he wrote online about what hypocrites Christians are. Most religions, but particularly Christianity. And uh, he had he often would mount scathing attacks on Christians, basically, who need a crutch, which they call God. He also saw the family. He, he pulled over, went back to talk to them, found out what was going on. He then took them to a local hotel, a little holiday inn that was a couple of miles away. He had to make two or three trips, because there were so many of them. He made sure they had a good breakfast. He even hired a car for them, so they could go out for their day. Now, how do you feel when I tell a story like that? Maybe you feel a little bit surprised. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a parallel. It's a it's an equivalent story of a story Jesus told, called the Good Samaritan. Maybe you're surprised. Maybe you're a bit cross. Why did Jesus take a perfect? Sorry. Why did Chris take a perfectly good story? that Jesus told about other people and make it a bit sort of uncomfortable. But that's what parables are. That's what parables are. They should cause us to question. The parables are the stories of Jesus and we start a series today which will go on to the middle of September. Not every week, but we've at least 10 parables, some of the best-known parables of Jesus. Parables are stories with a sting in in their tail they will often catch us off guard. So as the original crowd would have sat there, we too sometimes might sit there thinking, surely the next person to drive that, down that road will be somebody like us. Surely there'll be one of our kind, and they will stop. A parable has also been likened to a joke with a punchline. Uh, and just as you shouldn't, if you try explaining a joke, it kind of loses its meaning. If you try over-explaining a parable, it can lose its meaning. So three things before we get into parables. Three points about parables. The first, I've already said, parables are designed to catch us off guard, to take us by surprise, to question our worldview and our prejudices. <coughs> I don't have prejudices. Yes, you do. We all have prejudices. We all of us have prejudices which are conditionings, conditionings from the way we're brought up, what we're taught, the people we associate with in a town like them. The things that are a way of reading the Bible can cause us to be prejudiced. And these prejudices, often we we can live to one side of them, but sometimes they come home. Perhaps when we uh, choose uh, to live uh, in certain places or we choose not to live with certain people in certain places. Perhaps in the way we choose to regard and talk about other people's sexuality, our prejudices can come out. Even as we talk about people of other races, yes, it's great, but actually, our prejudices can come out. We all have prejudices, every one of us, of some sort. And, the, and parables cause us to question. They should, if we're listening, if we're really listening. They should cause us to question those. Secondly, parables draws into a story, a time and a place where things happened. They usually involve, they almost always involve, touch, all our senses, our touch, our sight, our our sounds and smells, something that we know. Now, for both of these reasons, parables have a punchline that catches off God and they have a story. It's a bit harder for us when we read the parables of Jesus because we already know the end of the story. We know what happens. It's not new to us. We're not as easily caught off guard. So we have to try and read it, as Jesus will say today, in the, in the reading today, and many times with our ears open, open. Whoever has ears, let them hear, he says. So it can be hard for us to get the full impact of a parable. But the great things about parables are they're stories, and we all like a story. We all love stories. Somebody once said that uh, we love stories because we love to be accompanied. We love to be accompanied. And we love stories. And actually, the postmodern mindset, today we're in a what they call postmodern society where truth has been thrown out. We know about post truth and all that stuff. Truth is thrown out. But people love stories, particularly personal stories. Stories are very much part of the postmodern mindset. For the postmodern mindset, there is no great answer, there is no meta narrative that explains everything. Apart from the narrative that there is no meta narrative, but let's not worry about that. That's what that is actually a narrative. They, they believe there is no narrative, but stories are, are still a very uh, increasingly part of our culture, part of the advertising around us, part of what companies are doing. We love stories. But stories actually have a way. It's right brain thinking, if you're familiar with that. Left brain thinking is logic and uh, we rationality and we lay things out in order. Right brain thinking is about creativity, things that bypass the left brain completely and go straight to the heart. And stories can do that. Stories can teach us. They can enrage us or calm us. They can give us hope or destroy hope. Stories, and pretty parables, always call forth a response. A parable will always call forth a response if we are listening. Hear what Jesus says about parables. And this is the central section of the passage we're reading today. He told a parable, which we'll come to. But then the disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Those seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. It's a slightly confusing uh, passage. And particularly those two lines look a bit harsh, don't they? They look a bit kind of harsh. It's like Jesus is saying, they def- they, I, I already know they won't understand, and that's, and that's fine. He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you, but not to them. So we can ask the question, is the parable, is the story of Jesus, is it like a riddle that only some people can solve? Is it like a riddle? In a way it is like a riddle, but it's a riddle that is absolutely solvable, for those who want to hear, for those with ears to hear. And it's a a riddle which is absolutely hidden from those who do not want to hear. So parables both reveal and conceal at the same time. Parables reveal truth to some and conceal truth to some at the same time. And this was the genius of Jesus He used the power of storytelling to reveal truth to some and conceal it from others until they were ready or until the time was right. And he did it as well to make sure that he wasn't arrested too early. The parable we talk about today is the sower, where a man goes into a field and starts sowing seed. You can't arrest me for telling a story about a man sowing seed. But it was brilliant. There was truth within that for those who had ears to hear. So, it comes with a challenge. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If I was to ask you for a a well-known parable of Jesus, you might well choose this one, perhaps the last one, or this one. Let's read it. It's very well known. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake such large, large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good ground, good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. <coughs> And then I've taken it out, but then there's the middle section on what is a parable, which we already read. Then Jesus comes back at verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the words and at once receives it with joy. But since they they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church this morning. Amen. So, this chap goes out in this kind of old traditional way, sowing seed out of a basket. Don't see that anymore, do we? Um, Here's a picture I took on the uh, East Coast last September, it's a bit more like that, right? And uh, the increased efficiencies and the intense mechanization of of farming is so different now, each hole is precisely drilled and the seed placed in each hole, right? But we don't even see that most of the time. We normally just see that, right? That's that's Sainsbury's on Rush Green Road, five minutes walk from my house, I see it a lot. Um, We normally just see that, isn't that where food comes from? Uh, but Jesus is they're, they're using people's uh, dependence on the ground to tell them something, because it's an important dependence in their time. If they didn't grow food or catch food, they didn't eat food. It's a bit different today, but this is a, a story of one type of seed and four types of soil. Four types of soil we have up there. One type of seed, four types of soil. First question, I think, probably would be, well, what is the seed? The seed... Jesus tells us, is good news, whatever that is. Good news. What is that? What is the good news? If someone was to say to you, look, you go to church, right? Seen, you seem to be going somewhere every Sunday. What is, why is all that? What's that about? Why is the good news? Think for 10 seconds. What would you, How would you answer that? If you came up with something that doesn't involve words like sin or repentance, any jargon, right? Put your hand up if you managed to come up with something. I'm not going to ask you what it was. Good, good, few people. Good, 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 good. Because um, people, peop- we speak another language sometimes. People don't know what we're on about. Here's a way that I sometimes used when people say, you know, "What is, what's it all about?" To me, we've grown distant from God, and God is bringing us back to Him. And he does it by the death of his son, somehow. So God is bringing back a people who have grown distant, and he's doing it through the death of his son, of his own dear son. It's one way of, of giving the good news, perhaps. But this is the seed of the good news. So let's talk then about the soils. And I'm going to start the other way around. I'm actually going to start with the good soil. So here's the good soil. I don't know what that is, by the way. What is that, Alison? Where is she? Plant. Okay, well, we have have the definitive answer. Anyway, uh, we we will see in time. We will see in time. Um, These good soil people are people who receive the word, are glad to receive it, think, yeah, I, I want to know Jesus in my life, I want to be with Jesus, I want to learn about him. It's good. These are people who are good at hearing the word, good at submitting to it, doing it, and they're then good at persevering and getting on with it, because it's easy on day one. On year five or ten or twenty, it could be hard. But these, these are good soil people then, right? They show fruit in their lives, and we can see the fruit of such people. I see the fruit commonly in your lives. Uh, often it's not easy to see the fruit in our own lives, but other people can see it. And I often see the fruit in your lives, people who are here, who are really good here at service, they do things, they get on with things that we need to get done. They're doing things for God in other places. They're bringing up families as well as they can in the name of Jesus. Good fruit that we can see. Many of us here at LBC would say, yeah, yeah aren't we the good soil then? Aren't we the good soil? But beware of complacency. Remember what happened on the road out there. Beware of complacency. We will come back to this. Then there's the roadside people. We didn't have road or concrete, but Sand is an important constituent of concrete. Is that right, Steve? Sand and cement and a bit of water. Anyone can do it, (laughs) right? He does it really well. Um, Sand, or the road, the roadside in Jesus' day wouldn't have been an actual road. It would just be the edge of the field where nothing can grow because it's all trampled and trodden and all dusty. Um, So that was the path. It's well-trodden ground on the side of the field then, and they... These people don't want to hear in the first place. The birds come and take away the good news as it's sown. It goes away completely. They're not, not interested. Thick-skinned, already set in their ways. And the word can't take root. And the path, the road, usually has already decided where it's going. This is what I'm doing with my life. I don't need any seed, thank you. So these people, we all know such people, don't do any of those. They're not really interested in listening definitely not going to submit and therefore there's no persevering the third soil is the stony soil, stony people or soil with stones in here's soil with stones in, shallow soil and here actually growth does start something good happens to start with they've heard and responded yeah that that sounds really cool, Jesus sounds good I want to follow Jesus where do I sign up but, actually, they don't want to hand over control. Um, Jesus becomes a smaller and smaller part of their lives. Or, perhaps, they, uh, they, um, say, they, they say to God, you have to actually physically be restricted. You have to just be in the corner over there of my life, which is usually on a Sunday. But don't get involved in everything else, because that's, that's different. Don't want you to be involved in any of that stuff. It's just Sunday. A problem with that is that little spot in our life where we've invited God over the years gets smaller and smaller until one day it disappears. And it's not there anymore. They give God a corner of the plot and one day the gloss wears off. There was no roots, no character. So they were good at hearing, they heard, but they didn't really submit to it and they certainly didn't persevere. And then the last type of soil which is also a plant, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's the thorns and the weeds. So Jesus says, this actually is good soil. Look at all that soil. just loads of it. It's loads of it. It's good, deep soil. Problem is, there's already something there. It's already occupied by something else. Something else has already claimed that ground. Has already settled and established itself. And there's not a lot of room left. The ground is already occupied by something. Jesus says it's two things. It's the worries of this world, we'll come back to this, and the deceitfulness of wealth, that we'd rather ha- we spend our time worrying or we spend our time with playthings, doing things that we, we perhaps are not supposed to do, which don't bring us nearer to God rather than spend time with God. And when, uh, when the thorns and the weeds spring up, they choke whatever was planted there, whatever good was planted there, and It dies. Because there isn't room. There isn't room. So these people, they've heard the news and they've submitted to it, yeah, let's do that, but they can't persevere because that ground is already taken up by something else. It's already been given over to something else. Stony ground, and in fact weed-infested ground, I think, is more dangerous than the path. Stony ground and weed-infested ground is more dangerous than the path. Why is that? Because good soil can become stony and good soil can become weedy. So, again, one type of seed, four types of soil. We've talked about the four types of people and usually when we think about this parable, we end it there and we say, isn't it great that we're the good soil? Thank you, Lord, that I'm good soil. And that's good. We should be thankful that we do have good soil. But let's remember, a parable always calls forth a response if we're really listening. So here's a question to you. Is it possible... Is it possible for us to be more than one type of soil at the same time? Is it possible for us to be more than one type of soil at the same time? Who here has a garden? Even a bit of a garden, tiny bit of a garden, right? Right? Well, you will know that gardens commonly have all types of soil at the same time. They're all there at the same time. Yeah, there's good soil, but there's lots of places that are stony and you clear them one day and a couple of weeks later there seems to be stones again. There's weeds you take out of the way and a couple of weeks later blooming things have come back again. There's all types of soil at the same time, usually. So so a garden can have all four types of soil. We can have Bits of roadside where we're not really listening. We're not really listening. We can have stones. We like the emotional fix of of worship of Jesus, but the hard work of discipleship, well, that's, that's, that's really hard work. Or we can have thorns. Perhaps we're giving in to things we should not. I'm not talking here about occasional failings. We all have occasional failings. I do. Well, I'm vulnerable to any of those. We're talking about consistent lack of discipleship in a person's life. So let's once more quickly go through those three problem soils. But this time, instead of thinking about other people, let's think about ourselves and our own Christian lives. Could this be a parable for Christians as well? And the point is this, just before we do that, the point is that good soil won't stay good by itself. You know that if you do gardening. (coughs) It's the result of hard work. It must be continually cleared of stones and nasty weeds. Good soil needs to be fertilized and watered. It needs to be dug and protected from trampling. The good ground in which the seed flourished was well prepared and much loved. This is not chance or accident that there just happened to be a load of good soil there with no weeds and stones. It wasn't a, a, by accident, wasn't a chance so let's take a quick look at those three problem soils, but this time think about ourselves. So again, the three soils that are up there, second, third, and fourth one. The roadside, the path, could it be that sometimes we're not hearing, we're not listening, we're not interested in listening? Could that be the case? I think that could be the case for most of us. That we're, we're not receptive to God. Let's not bother with church again this week. There's two other things going on. It's a nice day. Let's not bother with my personal time with God again because there's so many other things to do. And very quickly, we get get into a habit of not listening. We get into a habit of of not being receptive. Even though we might be on the face of it, still Christians, eventually, we become like the path. See, here's an interesting thing. For Christians... This parable is a parable about parables, right? It's a parable on how are we, how good are we at hearing parables? How good are we at hearing the message of Jesus? Are we good at that? Or do we have all kinds of other things going on that stop us? And the first one is this, stony uh, uh, path that we may, be, we may be giving up our lives to the path. If that's the case for us, and sometimes it can be, here's a question. Does your regular time with God get priority? Does your regular time with God, your daily time with God, get a priority in your life? Do you have places in your life to hear from God? Where is that for you? Is it in the dining room, in the kitchen, in bed at night, is it in the car? Where where are those places? Is it a walk? Where are those places? There should be some place. I would say, a physical place where you are used to hearing and listening, to talking to God and hearing from God. And if we don't have those, then yeah, we're probably, we're probably giving up too much to the roadside. Second type of soil, the stones, the stony soil. Is, this, is it possible for us to have stones in our Christian lives as well? Do we sometimes want the emotional fix of great worship? Which is great. And we, and we, and we enjoy that. And God loves that we enjoy that. Or the social side of church. It's great to meet up and have a chat and go out and have coffee, and, which is also great. We need to do that. I've been talking about that for the last year, the need for hospitality, for welcome, to create spaces for conversation in this building. But that's not the good news. That's great, but it's not instead of. Is God just for Sundays. Sometimes our Christian lives become shallow and stones can take over, and Jesus says if that happens, when trouble or persecutions come, you won't stand up. You won't. It's told many stories about this. The house built on sand is another one. Do we have stones in our life? Do we have stones where we, are deli- where we resist God? Do we, for example, is God telling me, you, to get baptised? That is in his word. But we continue to resist it because it's never quite the right time. Or are we doing something habitually, going to a place or doing things which we know actually are not good for us and we're not actually seeking God's help in resisting those. These can be stones and eventually they will prevent us from growing as Christians. They will put a natural barrier on us as Christians. So, question again, is there something getting in the way of growth in my life? Is there something that gets in the way is this something I do or something I don't do? But actually, getting in the way of God's blessing, usually we we know those things, we can recognize them. And then the third soil, the thorns. Jesus says, this is uh, the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of this world. They can choke us, says Jesus, they can choke us. So preoccupation with the world, in this one, remember I said the ground is already taken over, there's already stuff there, so there's just no room anymore for God to do his work, because we've already given over the soil to to other things. The deceitfulness of wealth is where we say we we would rather have our playthings, I'd rather have my playthings, my next holiday, my next holiday, my next holiday, or whatever it is, my next car, my next car, and, and some things can actually take our attention away from God. The deceitfulness of wealth is very real. And what about worries? Oh my goodness, Jesus tells us not to worry. That's really hard. I find that really hard. You know, I find that really hard. Particularly in the middle of the night. Things are always a lot worse, aren't they? Or early in the morning. And um, and we know Jesus doesn't want us to worry. We know that. But he spoke to people in his day, people who were worried in their day about clothes and food, were worried about children, about jobs, about things we have to do. And Jesus says, doesn't he, multiple times, Like he says uh, when people were worried, Consider the birds of the air, he says. They neither sow nor reap. Neither do they gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add an hour to his life? And he says, Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They neither sow nor toil. Spin no toil, or so they neither spin nor toil. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. Which of you, by worrying, can add an hour to his life? We can't. We can't, but we still worry, don't we? Come to me, or you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, from gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. And we know those words, and we know we can look them up. We read them, and, and, we, and we believe them, but we still worry. I do. I still worry about things. So, a couple of things that I've learned, I'm learning. first one is, why, why do we go through life expecting no problems? Nobody said that. Nobody said there would be no problems. Jesus said in this life... Um, in this life you will have troubles, I can't remember the exact verse, it's in John, but take heart, in, in, this, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. But in this world we will have troubles, and sometimes I think, particularly in western developed countries where we have so much, and we worry, we can worry about smaller and smaller things, and when I think, you know, just, just the news from Yemen or Syria, they really have things to worry about. And here's me worrying about some, some small item, a thing that I might have to do tomorrow. We should expect problems in life. We should expect problems in life. And that helps, I think. And the second thing is, we should be grateful for the things that are good. And we should be grateful for the problems that are not there. Be grateful for the illnesses that you don't have. Be grateful for the money that you do have. Be grateful for the things that the friends that you do have. And sometimes we, we bypass that, because we just zone in on problems. Anyway, enough of that. <clears throat> so, I'm going to give you some top gardening tips, right? Now, Alison's looking at me like saying, You never even do the garden! <laughs> Which is true. Didn't even do those, right? But, but honestly, these are good gardening tips. Right? Sometimes there may be months or years when our soil, as Christians, may feel thorny or stony or more like a hard road. It can be. Now, let me just repeat those three things I put up there, one at a time. Number one, we talked about the path. Prioritise your regular time with God. Have places in your life where you hear from God. On the stones, is there something specific getting in the way of growth in my life? Is there some point where I'm resisting God? And on worrying particularly, expect some problems and remember to be thankful for all that is good. And very lastly... And the best thing of all, remember this, right? You are not the gardener. You are not the gardener. God is the gardener. It's his job to make the growth. Our job is simply to try and bring the good soil, to try and get out the weeds and the stones. Remember that. It's good to know. He makes it happen. Our job is only to bring good soil, and that is really good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, let's just uh, think for half a minute of, uh, have we got, uh, are we not giving time for God? Are we not prioritizing that time for God? Are we not really listening and putting ourselves into places where we, we can listen? Or are there stones, are there specific things where I'm resisting God, where there are things I know he's told me to do, but I don't want to do them? Or am I overcome too often, too often by the deceitfulness of wealth? or the worries of this world. And I'm sure all of us could say yes to one or more of those. Let's bring them in our mind's eye to the foot of the cross and lay them at Jesus' feet again. Thank you, Lord, that you are the gardener, that you are the gardener, Lord. It's you that does, that produces the growth. Thank you, Lord, that you are always cheering us on, that you are the God who of second chances, of third chances, of fourth chances, of hundredth chances. And you never tire of giving us another chance. You never tire of cheering us on, of willing us forward. Thank you, Lord, for that today. Help us, Lord, to go home with that hope in our hearts, with that honest hope, Lord, looking for those things, Lord, that you would help us change, and knowing, Lord, that you are the gardener. In Jesus' name, amen.